Welcome to A Champion's Mind with your host, Mario Aroyave. Some say the sky's the limit. It isn't. The limit is in your mind. You believe that or else you would not be listening to this podcast. You believe that you could do more. You believe that you can perform at a higher level than you currently are. You are absolutely right. Thanks for being open-minded and allowing this podcast to help you develop a champion's mind. In this podcast, we'll discuss and hear about some mental strategies we can implement to help you achieve your utmost performance. If you feel like you're not performing at your true potential, this podcast will look to give you the keys that can open that lock. All right, welcome to the A Champion's Mind podcast. Today, we have special guest Kelly Fashels, and she is a professional UFC fighter. We've got her here on the show. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to be on here. So, just work through a couple of questions here. We'll just go ahead and start from the top here. I just want tell us a little bit about and by the way, just to preface this cuz listeners, you guys will get onto this at some point, but uh I actually know Kelly personally. Uh we actually uh went to college together for a short time, but anyhow, Kelly, tell us a little bit about your maybe childhood upbringing, how you got into sports, what sports were they, kind of that whole journey, I guess. Okay, yeah, I had a really good childhood. I've, I've have parents that I know love me and always were really supportive. Whatever I did, they definitely didn't see me going this route, you know, going to the the fighting realm. But yeah, growing up, I was actually really girly, and I actually didn't even really like getting sweaty. Like I was not an athlete in the beginning. <laughs> so like I, I would do sports like swimming or gymnastics and I was all about form. Like, you know, I'd swim and not fat, not fast, but just like get the form perfect, you know? And so I just, and I didn't like going outside and sweating. And so it's, it's funny how it's kind of grown into that in junior high is when I really started getting into sports and really started trying and so I found a sport I liked, basketball. And that's also kind of how I related to my brothers as I got older, too. So um, I was really close with my siblings. And, you know, we'd go out and play basketball with the neighborhood kids and stuff like that. I started getting more into sports, into junior high and high school. And that's kind of how I socialized, too. Like, that's how I made friends. And that's how that's where I got my social interaction from. So and how I related to people. And so I really loved basketball and I'd run and and I liked volleyball. And so it was just kind of like a way to make friends and hang out and build character and instill good work ethic in you and stuff like that. Then when I got to college, I did want to try to play basketball in college. That was my favorite sport. Had an opportunity to play for a D3 school, or I could walk on to UNT and try to get a scholarship that way. And so I ended up doing that so I can be closer to my family. So I ran track in college with you. So, or with yeah, uh, cross country. And so those were awesome years. Those taking sports to a collegiate level is definitely a whole nother level like of discipline and, and uh, work ethic and time. So you, you got to sacrifice a little bit of um, what other college students are able to do because, you know, you have your practices and your meets and stuff like that. I don't know. I never really had any plans in college except just to graduate. I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was more just get my degree, then figure it out from there. And so once I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a career. I just kind of wanted to do something that I enjoyed. 
but that I can make some money from, but I also missed, you know, being an athlete. And I was trying to find something to compete in, kind of keep me disciplined and, and push me physically and mentally. And, and a friend brought me to a jujitsu class when I was 25 years old. It was a, she's a coworker. We worked at Starbucks at the time, love coffee. And <laughs> she brought me to a jujitsu class and was like, you should try it. You, I think you'd really like it. And I went to my first jujitsu class and I just watched as these higher belts, they, they would just manipulate people. These guys would come at them like full power, full speed, trying really hard. And just with like simple movements, they'd maneuver them into an arm bar or a choke. And it's all about, you know, leverage and human body mechanics and utilizing their strength against them. And I was just like fascinated from day one. So I got hooked and I signed up right away and I signed up for a competition the first month that I trained because I wanted to uh, train with more of a purpose. So I, I was like, if I compete, I'll train harder. And so, yeah, it was it was history from there. I've been training jujitsu for seven years now. And I so I, I did three years only jujitsu and competing as much as I could and trying to keep my jobs like flexible, like low paying, flexible jobs that where I could take off and go compete or maneuver my schedule around so I can train more. There were some times of struggle there just because it's hard to balance financially independent, you know, but try to learn this stuff that the girls that were that were making it big, they've been doing it since they were kids, you know, when they're financially dependent. So I was trying to right. catch up, you know. And then, you know, three years of that, I was like, maybe I should transfer over to MMA and try to make some money, uh, have an opportunity to make make something happen. Because jujitsu is kind of like wrestling where you pay for all your tournaments and you okay. pay to go. So it's hard to make money from it unless like you're black belt level and you go to like, you know, Abu Dhabi or like these high tournaments where you can get paid. And a lot of it is if you're black belt, you're getting sponsored too. So, right. like, you know, blue belt level, I wasn't going to be making any money. So, so then I heard about through a series of connections how tough this school out in Northern California was. NorCal Fighting Alliance under David Terrell. And uh -huh. he, he had done really well in the uh, jiu-jitsu circuit, won Abu Dhabi, placed really high, is just really known for his high-level jiu-jitsu. He came up under Cesar Gracie with, along with the Diaz brothers, Jake Shields, Gilbert Melendez. They all kind of came up under uh, Cesar Gracie at the same time. So they were teammates okay. and partners. So I went out there and I at the time was living out of my car for a little bit. I had gotten to the point where I was trying to train so much that I, I, I would kept on um, getting different jobs. So I had like four jobs at one time to try to, cool. to like make my schedule the way I wanted it, but it wouldn't end up backfiring because then I had so, so many jobs that I couldn't keep up with them all <laughs> and train. <laughs> and, then, but I wasn't, and then I wasn't making uh, enough. I was like, I might as well just be working full time. I would make more than with with one job full time than uh, with these four jobs that I'm trying to balance. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, this isn't working out. And and so and then I got to a point where I was just running myself so down that I had to take some time off. My body was just kind of shutting down. And this is when I was still in Texas. And so I got to the point where I was like, okay, I quit all my jobs uh, um, except for one. And I lived out of my car for a while until I could figure things out, kind of, you know, stayed there and stayed. Some friends let me, you know, stay on their couches and stuff like that. And that was when I, and then 
we had a, a kind of a transition phase at the academy I was training at, uh, transitioning coaches and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what, maybe that's, this is time. Maybe this is time to try to go up to Northern California and start fresh at, at NorCal Fighting Lines and see what happens. So since I already had all my stuff in my car, I just was like, you know what, might as well just transport this thing up to a couple of states <laughs> up, a couple of states up north and uh, see what happens. So, and I didn't expect to be there like longer than like three or four months because of how expensive it is. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go, if I could just be as tough as these guys up there, you become like the people you train with. So seeing their level and experiencing it, I was like, wow, if I could just develop some of that from training here for a little bit, uh, I'll be good. You know, that'll be a huge stepping stone to getting better. And they really came around and helped me find a job, helped me find a place to stay. And so, and it, you know, what I thought was going to be three months turned into four years later. Yeah, it's, 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 been, a, it's been an awesome journey. That sounds it. There is so there is so much there is so much to talk about in there. So yeah. <laughs> let's just start that. And that's awesome. You you've got a fantastic story. So let let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and start breaking this down. I'm going to start kind of near the beginning, I guess. Kind of okay. when you got in, when you got into college and you had a decision to play at a D3 school or mm-hmm. go UNT, you know, University of North Texas, right? Go Mean Green. When you had a decision to go there, you chose UNT. Did you make the basketball team? No. I didn't make okay. the basketball team. I tried walking on with that first, and then they chose someone else. I was like, oh, gosh darn it. I'll, well, maybe I can do track and then try again the next year. And it's like in track. So. Where you and I officially met, right? Like that's where, mm-hmm. you know, we – uh, we had a we had a coach there. I remember we ran we ran for Coach Hansen. I remember I remember that we had plenty of guys on the team, but the girls team was was thin, and we didn't have very many girls. You know, I remember that that we were we were all trying to to help the girls out to to get y'all because in cross country, uh, for those that don't know that are listening in cross country, you need at least five you need at least five runners to be able to score as a team. And so if you don't have five, then the runners count individually. But you know, then in the results sheet, the university in North Texas would not show up because obviously we don't have enough, we don't have enough runners. And so we had that problem on the girls team, but then here, you know, here came Kelly uh, along with a couple of other girls, you know, Hey, I want to run, right? Kelly joined the team, the cross country team. How much running experience did you have up to that point? Just a a little bit in high school and, you know, always my focus was more basketball and, and I liked volleyball too, but yeah, I just kind of was like, you know what, I'm just going to go out there and focus on this and see what happens. And uh, they had a need for 800 meter runners. And I was like, okay, I saw myself actually, I saw myself more as a sprinter, but I was like, you know what, if that's where, if that's where they, they need me, I can always just, you know, maybe work something out later or whatever. So I just, just in the typical Kelly fashion where I just take the opportunity and, and, and work things out as I go along, (laughs) instead of really having a plan, I was just like, okay, let's, let's do it. I'll try it. How hard did you have to work to get anywhere in the cross country and in the track? I know because I was there and I watched it, but I mean, you know, what was that like? What was that journey like for you when you were in college just starting off running? I mean, this was your first year, you know, doing it and it's like you're at the D1 level, right? Yeah. So like, what was that like? Yeah, that was, um, a lot of it was like, I just didn't like, I, I think I even struggled with a little bit like overtraining, you know, I just didn't know how much, you know, I just. Coach Hanson was really good at guiding. She wrote me out uh, a plan. Like this is what this is what you need to do to get to this level. 
And, you know, you just have to be really what you have to do is be willing to put the work in. So if if you have the work ethic and the heart, you know, I think you can accomplish anything. And, and at that point, I really wanted it. I really wanted to be on the team. And it was something I thought I could do and I knew I could do if I if I pushed myself to do it. So I just took her guidance and, you know, and anything that the team helped me out with, with advice or, you know, tips. And, and I just did it. I was definitely one of the slowest. I remember the first meet I went to, I, I think I came in last. <laughs> I don't know. I think they were like taking the taking the stuff down by the time I, I rolled in. <laughs> so, Oh my gosh. I remember that. You're yeah. right. Yeah. I was like, You're Oh, right. they're breaking, uh, they're breaking the meat down and here I am, I'm coming. So, cause I didn't see myself as a cross country. Like I said, I was like, I feel like I'm more of a sprinter, but you know what? Okay. You know, training for cross country, that's going to help me build up my endurance for the 800 or, you know, for whatever they put me in. And I think, yeah, the 800 the mile. And so I have, yeah, that first meet, I just remember my dad standing there waiting for me to come in the finish line. Everyone was breaking everything down. What what school was that? SMU? I think it was at SMU. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it definitely, so, you know, that was my first, my first D1 collegiate level race coming in last, you know, I just took it as like, okay, that's the first step and I'll just go up from here, you know? Perfect way to end just what you just said there. That was the first step. I mean, you know, when I, when we finally got reconnected again, you know, years later, obviously, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. And, and I'm telling people that I know, like, I know that girl, like she's fighting MMA, you know, uh, <laughs> UFC this weekend, right? Like, I remember her, she was on the track team and it just got me really excited. But you know, the one thing about it was I, I had forgotten that you had gotten last and you were breaking down the, they were breaking down the meat. But I remember now because we were all kind of joking about it and stuff, you know, after the fact, but, <laughs> but. But I remember, but here's what I remember. I remember that at UNT, you know, you, you did, you, you walked on, you were willing to do what it took, you know, uh, cross country. And then we went to track and, you know, you know, the 800, you just always gave everything you had and you just always gave your best and you were really tough and you had grit and you had mental toughness, you know, fast forward, my gosh, I don't know how long I've been out of college. It's been too long, but you know, fast forward to now and I'm hearing all these things about, you know, you're, you were into the jujitsu and you were highly successful there. And now, you know, you're into UFC and, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting. I mean, you're doing mixed martial arts at the highest level you can. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not really surprised. You know, I'm not surprised because somebody with that kind of perseverance and somebody with that kind of mental attitude, I mean, it, it, you just, like you said, it was the first step and, 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 and you just continue to take steps forward and some are little and some are big but if you just keep moving forward if you just keep moving in the right direction you know eventually you're going to get places you know kind of kind of remembering reminiscing on our UNT days because they were they were great days and we had a lot of fun out there but I'm thinking to myself man you know I mean it doesn't surprise me that you know Kelly went on and and is still doing these awesome things because you know she just had the right mindset from the get-go that and you said it yourself. I mean, you said you don't, you didn't really know what you wanted to do. You know, you're like, oh, basketball or volleyball or, you know, you're, you weren't really set on what the path was going to look like, mm-hmm. but you knew that you needed to just keep moving forward and taking steps. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, I think that that's huge in, uh, in your development from UNT, you know, then you, then you stumbled upon some jujitsu, you got invited to a class and then you went out to this class and you were like, oh man, this looks, this looks like it's pretty awesome, right? Like you were hooked on it. Like you said, um, instantly you fell in love with it, but then you said you joined. 
So you said you watched some of it, and then you re- and then you realized I want to join, and I yeah. want to become a part of this. Why was it not good enough? Why did you just why was joining the thing you needed to do there like? Oh, just like you know, I went to go try out a class, and so how jujitsu schools work is you sign up for a membership. So and a lot of them you do like a contract, like a like you sign up for a year, and then you're committed to that year to pay monthly, and then you know. Because what you're doing when you're going there is not you're not just working out, you're learning an art, you're learning form okay. of you know self defense. So it's like you're not just going there getting a good workout, you're actually learning something that you can apply. When I went and and also a lot of jujitsu schools the way they the way they run is because they have people that commit to it, it becomes like a family, you know. You sense that when you walk in, you know all these higher belts, they all know each other, all friends. They've been they've been to battle with each other. They've cried tears together and so they have that experience with each other so it makes them turns them into a family of sorts and so but you know walking in my first day I just saw how amazing the the abilities were and I was like I just never had seen it before and I was like I want to learn how to do that and so I was like what do I have to do to sign up for this and they're like you know you got to come in you know come in as much as you can jujitsu it it takes a while to build a base you know sometimes when you come in for stand-up you can get away with just uh hitting the bag you know like kind of like boxing it not really know what you're doing but you get a good workout still jujitsu has a Uh high turnover rate because a lot of it's wrestling just kind of like wrestling it's hard and it takes a while to learn all the positions and to be able to learn enough to actually use it so it takes some patience like usually if you can make it three months through you'll start getting a base and it starts getting more fun, but it could be, you know, really frustrating up to that point. So I, it was one of those things where I knew like, Hey, I'm, I want to do this. I'm going to sign up. I'm just going to throw myself in. I'm going to be here every class as much as, unless I have to work, I'll be here throwing myself into a hundred percent kind of all or nothing. I signed up for a competition because I was like, I know myself, like when you have the focus that I'm going to have to use this, you're going to like learn it so much quicker but also more practically like kind of like hey that's a really cool move but I'm not going to be able to use that with where I'm at right now so I need to like really focus on the stuff that I can use now and then build on that later you know the first day I walked in I was like this is awesome so I knew I wanted to be a part of it and I I, it was one of those things since I graduated college because I kind of floated around after college I was like I really don't know I didn't have a passion for anything I was like you know I was personal training for a little bit I worked at Starbucks. I love coffee, you know, but I knew it wasn't like a career job. So, uh-huh. but I love being a barista. I love coffee and love learning more <laughs> about it. <laughs> I love the whole culture of it. Um, I think it'd be cool one day to open up my own coffee shop, but you know, that's a whole nother topic. But um, <laughs> maybe like a coffee shop slash jujitsu gym. I don't know. We'll work. I'll, I'll work that out later. But um, yeah, get yeah, get a bunch of get a bunch of guys and girls that can beat up a bunch of people and get them hyped up on coffee and just exactly. Watch them. Then, then we'll, we'll never stop training because we'll never run out of energy. So, so yeah, I just kind of and I even looked at like joining the military. I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And so when I when my friend brought me to that class and I I was like, this is what I want to do right now. Like, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to look, you know, five years from now. I don't even know if I could do anything with it. But right now, this is awesome. It kind of also just kind of gave me a focus where I had previously been kind of wandering around being like what do I do with my life right now (laughs) I'm going to go back and use 
something that you said, a first step, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it was a first step. It sounds like you knew this is something you wanted to be a part of. Like you said, you were you went all in and you said you went to all these classes. Let me ask you how I mean, you said, OK, so is it, it I mean, is it normal for people not to make it three months? Is that the turnover thing? Like people say, oh, if you can get if you can get three months in, then you're probably going to be in, in this for a while. But if you I mean, is that normally where people kind of. Well, it's just like, you know, out? we get like a especially with. Uh, you know, back, especially when I first started training, there weren't a lot of females that stuck with it either, you know, but just in general, because it's so hard, people will fall off a little bit, you know, easier, like they get busy with their schedules. And, you know, they don't come to enough classes to really like build a base fast enough, you know, so usually okay. if, you, if you find someone that that comes in, and they're there, and they train, you know, for a good three or four months, and they're still there, there's a good chance that person's going to stay. But gotcha. a lot of people fall off in those first months because it's not what they expected or it's harder than they thought it would be or they're not catching on as fast as they want to catch on, you know? Yeah. And really, yeah. like, everyone's got a different learning rate. So we just say just keep coming. Like, you know, like we've been referencing just the only way you won't move forward is if you quit. If you, if the, You'll always get better by showing up. Just show up and you'll get better. Even if you feel like you take two steps back, you're getting better, you know? What were your first three months like? I just remember being like, I feel like I'm just like getting torn up, you know, <laughs> just like, because at first you just don't even know what to do. Like, you know, I would try, you know, rolling live and I'm like, like this person is just like able to like move me around at will, you know, I just, a lot of it is, <laughs> a lot of it is just like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, I'm sure it'll come to me at some point here. And so, but I would, you know, I remember going through like kind of feeling frustrated at first because I just wanted to get it, you know? But yeah. that frustration would drive me to, like, study. I, I had, like, a, a book, and I would, like, write down, you know, each step to the moves and stuff like that and then review it later. And I would just go okay. try to train as, as much as I could. And then that first competition really helped when I did that. Um, it was for Naga. And I really had no idea what I was doing still even at that point. I just remember being like, I'm just going to, like, rush this girl, <laughs> try to get on top yeah. and, like, you know, like – win by points probably but I had like I remember my one game plan was take her down and go for the Kimura because that's like pretty much the only move I knew and we kind of worked on that take her down <laughs> pass the guard get to side control and get the Kimura like just grab her arm and I think yeah. I ended up sitting I, I took her down and I ended up sitting in her guard the whole time she was trying to break down my posture so she was grabbing on the back of my neck and head and holding me down and I didn't realize I just like simple stuff, like just push her arms off and then sit up. But I was trying to use my neck to lift her up. So I remember like after that, after that match, like I could barely hold my head up by myself. It hurt so bad. Like I was like my neck, I, I can't even like hold it up. But I was so like happy that I won, you know, and that yeah. just like pulled the fire. I was just like, oh, man, this is awesome. I'm going to like learn this. I, w I tried to compete as much as possible that first year because just for the the training intensity reasons, but also the nervous reasons, like, you know, sometimes people could be really mat tough, really tough in the gym, but they compete completely different. Like everything goes out the window when they compete because of nerves. So you have to like right. learn how to handle those, those nerves. I even remember that in track. I'd get so nervous in track. Like I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, and it, <laughs> it takes a while to learn how to manage those feelings because those can freeze you up and, or they can push you to go the extra distance, you know, it just depends on how you, how you deal with them, how you handle them. 
so yeah, that was another reason why I tried to compete was just so I I didn't lose that aspect of the the mind game. You know, and that and that's part of what we're trying to that's part of what I'm trying to raise awareness here with the with the champion's mind with this podcast is the fact that there is just a mental war going on at the same time that you're warring physically, re- mm-hmm. regardless of what it is for you. It's, you know, you're in the you're in the octagon and you're you're fighting and, and you know, for other people, it's something different. But either way, there's just this mental you know, battle going on, you know, and my gosh, I mean, I know you know better than I because you're the expert here. But, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about nervousness and anxiety and I'm thinking about the fact that you forget something and all of a sudden you're being choked out. I mean, your fight's yeah. over, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like I, I, I was so nervous. I was so anxious that I totally didn't even realize that this person was putting me in this kind of a maneuver and boom, mm-hmm. the fight's over and, and that's it. And, and, you know, that small mental lapse, just a split second, you know, with as quick as you guys are, you know, and, and it's, and it's over, you know? And yeah. so, you know, really having to stay sharp, you know, and just really constantly always thinking because it could cost you, it could cost you big time. Man, I, I really, I really like, yeah, I, I really, you know, and I don't know a lot about the jujitsu or the MMA, but I'm learning here while speaking with you. And I just, I really like the whole, the whole dynamic with the whole mind and the body. I mean, you're telling me, you know, and, and this is, you know, probably a lot of people don't know this like I do, but you're telling me you have a notebook, right? And you're writing stuff down and you're, and you're writing down steps and everything. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought jujitsu, you know, I mean, you're just in a gym, right? And you're just, you're just going at it with people, right? You're just, mm-hmm. you know, you're on the ground and you're grappling and doing all that stuff. But I mean, there's a there's a there's a classroom aspect to it as well, you know. And you had and you're telling us you had to study, you know. You had to you had to sit down and you had to to learn um, moves and techniques and stuff like that. And I just I find that so fascinating because you know I, I don't think a lot of people know that, and that's part of the game, you know. And and I'm thinking to myself, I, I think maybe some of those people that don't make it the three months, maybe they hit the gym hard, but they're not willing to do the notebook pen and paper part of the studying of the moves. And yeah. so, yeah, they may be really, you know, well-trained physically, but when it comes to technique and when it comes to things like that, they're not as disciplined and they're not as good at that. And so, you know, that, that, I mean, that's costing them, right? Like you said, I yeah. mean, you've got somebody that can just move you in any position they want anytime they want. I mean, that, that would yeah. be frustrating to me. It's like, there's nothing you can do, right? You're just stuck. Yeah. I mean, this person's just like, moving you around like you know wet clay and it's like sometimes you even know what's coming like you're like okay i can see he's setting up an arm bar right now and it's like like you know what's coming and you can't get out and you're like yep here it comes and then oh yep it's been like yeah you know so but a lot of it is too they didn't you know it's writing it down too but a lot of it is muscle memory because i wrote down more at the beginning when i didn't know anything and now uh-huh. I, I don't really, you know, keep up with a notebook and stuff like that as sure because uh, every, by this point, you've you drill it thousands of times that it that your muscles just remember how to do it, you know. So you got to put in the even more important than the, the notebook is putting in that time, that mat time. There's nothing that can replace that. The people that that come sporadically for like the first it just takes so long for them to build a base because they don't put the time in. That I think that's a big reason why they get discouraged and fall off too. So it's just like just get in there when you don't feel like you know if you had a long day at work, just just make it, just come because sure. a little bit is better than nothing. You know you have to get that time in if you're going to learn it. Yeah, I mean I would say that that's probably that that's what what you just said there is probably 
similar to, you know, I can, I can pull up YouTube videos of Michael Jordan all day and I can watch yeah. Michael Jordan playing basketball and see all the things that he did. Now it's a different, it's a different thing altogether for me to get into the gym and for me to put in the time in the gym. And so, exactly. you know, yeah. you, you, you do have to do that. Uh, but you did have to do the notebook at first. And I think that's, yeah. imp- I think here, here's the, here's the thing about it. I mean, I think being disciplined to the notebook, it also says something about your character and your mental posture because, you know, you're looking at one of these veterans. What, what would you call? What would you call? I just want to. I want to say it right. So, what would you call somebody who's just like? Is it a black belt jujitsu? Yeah, like, black belt is uh, the okay. highest level. Okay, so like you know, you're looking at a black belt jujitsu, right? And you're like, you know, that person's not writing anything down, right? And you yeah. want to be like that person, but guess what? You're not yet, and so you have to say, you have to humble yourself and say, you know what? I'm not there yet. I need to write stuff down because I'm not as good as, you know, a black belt jujitsu guy. I will be at some point, again, referencing something you said, by making small steps to move forward, mm-hmm. but I'm not there yet and recognizing that, you know, and, and, and you did that. And so you recognize it. And now, yeah, you don't have to write down as much stuff. But if somebody was just getting started and they're looking at Kelly going, yeah, you know, I want, I want to be like Kelly, right? I want to do these things. I want to be as good as she is, you know? Well, you have to realize Kelly didn't get there overnight, number one. Kelly had to write things down when she was getting there. So that means you probably need to write some things down too because you're not there yet either. And I think the last point before we move on is this. Uh, I think the reason why, you know, maybe there's so much turnover, I mean, in jiu-jitsu or in any kind of, you know, as you go up the ranks and as you go, you know, moving towards professional, the turnover just gets higher and higher, you know. And I think the reason why is because people don't understand what it takes to be successful and they don't understand how much failure is going to be involved in that process. And so, you know, they they meet failure a couple of times and they're able to shrug it off and they're able to kind of tie their boots back up and they're able to get back in there. But eventually after a while, they just start saying, man, I'm just losing so much. I'm being manhandled. You know, I'm just not being successful. I'm not doing the things that I want to do. And and they start getting discouraged. And and at that point, you realize something about that person versus the black belt jujitsu guy versus the best UFC fighters in the world. You start realizing something. Those two groups of of people, the black belt jujitsu, the champion MMA fighter, they've figured something out. Failure is the small price you pay for success. They see it differently. They see a defeat or, you know, a loss. They see that as a simple, again, small step towards future success versus, you know, those that stay amateur or those that drop out or those that just don't make it to the highest level. They don't see it as that. They see failure as this finite event that defines who they are versus you know, you know what? I mean, you talked about you talked about Gracie. I mean, I even I know Gracie with my limited UFC knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, a champion, right? He he lost too, and he had his ups and downs. And so, you know, anybody that 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 is is a champion is still going to be able to tell you those kinds of stories. And so, man, that that that's awesome. So the jujitsu. Let's kind of transition here. The jujitsu got you kind of moving towards MMA, but it wasn't necessarily the. Thanks for listening to A Champion's Mind. As you continue to implement the content discussed here, you'll move closer and closer to performing at your utmost potential. Keep challenging yourself and don't settle until you achieve your goals. If you can't wait until the next episode to do some more work on your mental game, head over to utmostperformance.org where you can find some more content to consume. You can also like our Facebook page, Utmost Performance. 
We sincerely value your support as we continue to partner together to help you perform at your utmost.